The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to talk from the inside of sports. It's time for G. Cobb in the House with Gary Cobb and co-host Micah Warren. We'll talk to and about players, front office personnel, agents, and the newsmakers in and around sports. Now, here are your hosts, G. Cobb and Micah Warren. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another edition of G. Cobb in the House. And I hope G. bought plenty of beer and food for because he's got a full house this evening. Uh, it's me. We got G Cobb on here, Jason Ashworth, Bob Cunningham, and Haran Knight all joining us. What's happening, everybody? How you doing? How's it going? All right, the energetic crowd we got this evening. Um, so yeah, so congratulations to the uh, the 2010 Packers winning the Super Bowl, like I said they would all along. Uh, <laughs> sure you did. I'm, I'm so bad. I, I took the Steelers. I did. I admit it. I admit it. Uh, but you know what? I was thinking about this game. Not only did the Packers stick it to them, it probably could have been worse. And think of all the players the Packers were without. I mean, they have no name James Starks back there. They have no Ryan Grant. Uh, no Jermichael Finley, who was considered to be one of the top tight ends uh, heading into the season. You know, Woodson gets hurt. Driver gets hurt. I mean, and the Steelers are a team. I don't know about you guys when, when, uh, when the, the Packers were down at the end and they had to kick the field goal to go up six. I knew they were done. It was over. Like, you just – that the Steelers write things this way. But, man, the defense clamped down, and the Packers earned that game absolutely. I know a lot of the Steelers fans, Jay, I know you love them, uh, are, are complaining about they didn't play well or this or that. I think the Packers just came out and smacked them in the mouth. Um, what, what do you guys think? Do you give more credit to the Packers, or do you think the Steelers kind of dog it? Well, I have um, a problem, first of all, with you telling me I love them. In all reality, uh, I've... I'm tired of people saying that the Steelers gave that game away. They got beat. It's that simple. Um, the the common the common complaint that I'm hearing, oh, well, you know, we handed in the game, we turned the ball over. Yeah, anytime you're on the bad side of a of a three zero turnover di- differential, yeah, you're probably going to lose in the NFL. But it's not like the Steelers just cough those up. The Mendenhall fumble was a cough up. But when Ben got pressured, when Kimiato got blown off the ball. And so it just, it, it's not where he's at. He wasn't intended to throw the ball 10 yards short. I mean, his whole throwing motion was distracted, left the ball out in no man's land. And let's not forget that not, not one Steeler kept Collins out of the end zone. So, I mean, he obviously, he obviously sniffed that one. And the second one, Bush just made a hell of a play on it. He wasn't yeah, even he kind of threw it down. Uh, well, I mean, if you watch, if you watch that, Roethlisberger staring him down the whole way, and Bush just jumped it. Yeah, no, yeah, Bush Bush had deeper coverage. But even even if Roethlisberger was staring him down the whole way, Bob, and I know where you're going with this, fair enough. You and I have a whole other conversation yeah. coming. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that was still a bang-bang where I'm surprised Bush was even able to hang on to it right after he collided with Wallace. Oh, I guess yeah. my point being where it wasn't handed. Okay, the Packers forced some turnovers. The Packers played a hell of a game, and they beat the Steelers. So I don't want to hear anybody in the terrible tissues crying because I ain't going to listen. 
Apparently, you guys don't want to listen either because there's no responses. <laughs> Oh, hey, what do you think uh, about the, the game? The Packers definitely earned it, and they, they definitely forced those turnovers. You can point out, like, three turnovers turned into 21 points, but especially their last two turnovers, they definitely they, – those were forced turnovers, especially that second interception. So, I mean, yeah, Steelers had a shot at the end, but the, you can't deny what the, what the game plan that the Packers had. And, and G made a good point. You made a good point last week when we were talking about Big Ben. If he throws a couple picks, it, it turns into six points. He's your, that's almost always the case. This he, his turnovers and, and, and the other one, killers. Fourteen points off of turnovers early in the game. I well, think those pressures hanging. You know, I thought that um, you know the, the Packers. I mean, they, they, the Steelers don't have the best offensive line, and and uh, you, you've got to beat them there. Uh, you know, Roethlisberger has been able to negate that over the years because he's going to be by time. But, uh, you know, you've got to give uh, the Packers, you know, credit that they did not, you know, he, he really didn't extend a lot of plays. He didn't have those ad-lib plays where he beat some the big yards now. Uh, he missed some of the opportunities. And, and really, um, it was the kind of case where, you know, the, the Packers just outplayed the Steelers. I mean, that, that's... I don't think it was you know, that complicated. They just flat out outplayed them. Uh, the opportunities that the Steelers had, they didn't take advantage of, whereas, you know, uh, clearly Rodgers was much better than Roethlisberger in that game, just flat out much better. I mean, got the ball to his guys. You know, they dropped some of them. But, you know, Ben missed some, missed some opportunities. Now, Bob, what was your take? Because I know I had a, a message on my Facebook page by about the third quarter. Mm, yep. That about right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I just thought watching the game, uh, and you heard it uh, during media day, they asked Matthews, you know, what are you going to do with Roethlisberger? And he told them. He's, he's going to uh, kind of half-spy him, you know, just make sure he stays level with him. They're going to mush-rush him. That's exactly what they did. Like I said last week, you keep Roethlisberger in the pocket, he won't beat you. Not only will he not beat you, he'll throw the game away, which is exactly what he did. The Dom Capers game plan was all but perfect. And what if uh, Woodson and Shields didn't go down, Roethlisberger wouldn't have thrown a single touchdown. I think he would have thrown some more picks. Uh, I mean, even that decimated defense, they just they couldn't come back because Roethlisberger had already thrown the game away. I right, hold on. He almost brought him back. He almost hold brought on. him back, though, hold Bob. Yeah, against the decimated defense, I mean, you're down to <laughs> what your second and fourth corners, and uh, he had already thrown the game away. Come on, stop it. First of all, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> okay, I, I understand you. And in all reality, at the end of the day, Rogers outperformed Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger did not have a great game, so I don't have too much to stand on here. But I did watch the game. Okay, mm-hmm. I think anybody who watched the game, in my opinion. Is going to have a hard time saying Roethlisberger threw the game away. I mean, oh, I for the exact reason did. you just pointed out, Bush made a hell of a play. Okay, so that was one pick. The second, the second, both of his turnovers were forced. It wasn't like he was just throwing in no man's land. He just went and, and he tried forcing the ball left and right. No, he, he got forced into two turnovers. Fair enough. I'm going to disagree with day, you there anyway. At the end of the day, that vaunted Pittsburgh Steelers defense that everybody says is so great could not keep the Packers out of the end zone. So I'll be damned if I say that Roethlisberger threw this game away. And I'm not a Pittsburgh fan. Well, I am defending this. I'm going to completely disagree with you. Completely disagree. He absolutely did throw the game away. That first pick, yeah, there was pressure up the middle. One, the hit didn't get there 
until after he had already thrown the ball. Why are you trying to throw that ball anyway? You're throwing it deep on the sideline when you realize you can't step up. So Mike Wallace, who will have it, who, who it. can separate from any receiver. If if, if he wasn't even open, I mean, even if he could have stepped Mike into Wallace it, has two steps on him. Even if oh, even if he was, even if he could step into it, that throw is not there, and he couldn't step into it. I mean, do you think Peyton is throwing that ball? Do you think Brady's throwing that ball? No, I think a good well, quarterback isn't throwing what, that ball. Who, who, who Peyton, on yeah, Indianapolis Brady, or New England has a guy that runs a four three? You point out one guy on one of those teams that runs a four three. But I'm telling you, Wallace wasn't even open. I mean, even if he had all day, Wallace isn't open there. I understand so, giving a guy like that a chance, but he wasn't open. Look, the, big, right, the so. bigger problem was that he he kind of looked that way to begin to begin with, and then threw it. Yeah, he, he allowed Collins to come over right into that right into that spot. He, the, right. Jay, that's my hey, problem. Enough, what he did. Apparently, I you guys don't watch enough throw, Jackson. Jay, Jay, I agree. The throw was damaged a bit. My bigger problem is that he kind of he led that he was going that way, and he allowed Collins to come over. But that you understand, you can do, Collins, if that throw, if he's able to step into that throw, Collins is underneath it. Collins was out of position. He wasn't in a position to make the play had, had Roethlisberger been able to get some air under it. Mike Wallace is one of the fastest, if not the fastest receiver in the field, he's, or I'm sorry, in the NFL. He's one of those guys where if you're able to get coverage, let him make a play. Throw him out there. He's going to get his distance. One step for Mike Wallace is cookie town. I understand that, but he didn't have that step. And it was he on Tremont did, Williams, though. who's pretty damn fast he did, himself. The play didn't develop because the ball didn't get in the air. He had and, to step. But all if right, all right, Haran, what do you and G that? You, I mean, eat it. Say that again. Haran and G, do you guys blame Roethlisberger more for throwing this away, or do you think uh, you think the picks weren't all his fault? I'm, I'm going to blame Roethlisberger. I mean, as a two-time, I mean, it's almost like when the Eagles lost to the Patriots, everything went towards McNabb. It's... It goes with the territory. He 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 made those throws. They they picked them off. And I mean, there's really no no. As I say, the Packers made the plays while Green Green Bay. I mean, the Packers made the plays while the Steelers didn't you know, on both sides of the ball. Rodgers outplayed um, Roethlisberger, and you got on the Packers side. You got their former defensive player of the year. He goes out at halftime where where the Steelers got two defensive players of the year. And Palomahu and Harrison, who are pretty much non-existent, is saying Palomalu especially. <laughs> so, Haran, you're under the ilk that McNabb lost that Super Bowl. He threw that I game mean, away. I'm just, I'm just going I back. Mean, I, I just want to make sure you actually watch that game. Cool. Yeah, I watched the game. <laughs> I mean, I know he had the three picks, but if you watch that game, McNabb did not throw that game away. No, he's saying if you're going to get the blame, for people who actually Ben did not throw this game away. He did not lose. Oh, come on. There's no way you have a chance to win the football game with two minutes to go, but you didn't do it. He looked terrible trying to do it. It's just it's not that simple. Oh, come on now. The first one, okay, we can agree to disagree on that one, but the second one that he throws to Bush, if he's not staring his receiver down. Bush doesn't get to make a jump on that ball. Bush is a half second late. Maybe he hits him. Maybe he separates the ball from him. But that's not on Roethlisberger. It's on Roethlisberger because he stared him down. All he has to do, not stare him down, and Bush never gets the chance to make that jump. But because he's watching him from the snap of the ball, Bush was able to read it, make the jump, and that was all she wrote. That was it. And then even in the two-minute drive, and even forget about the interceptions. He's throwing balls high. He was erratic all game long. 
I mean, there's that one uh, to Mike Wallace, puts it over his head, and Tremont Williams jacks him up then. Mike Wallace catches that ball because then he did have a step. He can turn it up the field, make a play, but he couldn't even get a throw like that. He was off all game. And this is, it was he, he almost as bad great, as Seattle. If you, at, if you look at the 2005 Super Bowl, I mean, this was stellar for Big Ben. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's you want to talk about terrible. He was that's dreadful. He only threw two touchdowns when the Packers' defense was decimated by injury. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know I, how I you stick up for him. I, I'm kind of a Big Ben guy, but I, I have to admit that um, this was not a good game for him. Uh, like of all of all the weeks for Jay to make that argument, it was not the best week. <laughs> It you wasn't a good you week. Can't, you can't it's say it's not. You can't put. You can't not put any of the blame on, on Ben Roethlisberger. No, I'll put some on there, Ron. No, I definitely put some blame on Ben Roethlisberger. I just with with watching. I mean, how did Mendenhall do? I mean, he he looked good at times when they were running the ball, but overall, I mean, they, they had to abandon they didn't it. Run enough to know yeah, exactly. They didn't run enough mm-hmm. to say that Mendenhall had a huge impact on the game. The Steelers' defense sure as hell wasn't there. That's so fair. For, for ben, yeah, that's fair. But if Roethlisberger doesn't throw those picks, where are they then later in the game? Who knows? You can't say that though. Who knows? Because the entire complexity. I think it's of the game fair changes. to assume that they might even have the lead. I mean, once those guys go down, then yeah, he was hitting some, hitting some balls. But I mean, that I mean, first one blame anybody? to put them down fourteen nothing. Ninety percent of the blame is on Roethlisberger. At least I think it's unfair. If you want to blame anybody, like in all reality, if you want to find particular blame, because Mike and I have talked about this, the Super Bowl, with as long as halftime is, it's, it's really all about two separate games. The first half is one game, and then you have a half hour, and then really the second half of the game, and in all reality, becomes a second game. And the Packers won that first game. The second game, you saw it. You saw it in the game clearly swing to the Steelers' favor. The third quarter was dominated by the Steelers. The first play of the fourth quarter, all momentum is with the Steelers. Mendenhall coughs it up. That is where the game shifted. Steelers couldn't keep him out of the end zone. So if I'm going to sit here and say, okay, where did I think this game got lost? It was right there. It wasn't off the arm of Roethlisberger. It was right there that I thought, oh, damn. I thought it was over before that. Once he threw that pick to Bush, I said, that's it. He put them in such a hole that they weren't going to recover, not against that defense. How can you say that, Bob? Well, first of all, I can say it because it was right. I mean... That's what happened. He put them in such a hole that he couldn't dig them out. He had already dug them so deep that the game was over. That was eight, that we to go. They're only down One six, and the, and the Steelers have the ball. That's okay. so deep that they can't do that? He had put them in that hole. Had he not put them in a hole, they wouldn't have been down then trying to recover at the end of the game. He wouldn't have had to have tried to make that miraculous two-minute drive. He had already put them in a hole. Yes, Mendenhall's fumble was obviously very costly. But he had already dug them such a hole, they weren't coming out of it anyway. No, we got to get to the break. I swear, I swear we're not getting the quarterback. Uh, Rob, hey. didn't come up with any turnovers. Two minutes, Jay. I got to <laughs> take a break. We will come right back with more of this. We'll be watching you guys on the other side of the G-Cob in the house. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
You already get the general sports headlines and discussion on TV and radio. Tune in to The Blueprint with Randall Gatewood. Yeah, we'll cover all the general big name stuff too, but we go beyond the typical sports radio show to bring you the details you don't get anywhere else. We'll talk about the inspirational stories and the little known successes. If you want creativity, The Blueprint is the place to be. Tune in every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Here's what's happening this week on The Trail with Jim and Trav. Keith Warren, host of The High Roads, backstage your back roads, Daniel Lee Martin, and we'll review the Night Strike flashlight from Energizer. And we'll be hitting down the trail with the guy that ice fishes in his above-ground pool and catches something. We're talking about those guys from Vanderbilt's. Your Work Boot Center, Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. I'm Jim Ferguson. I'll see you on the trail. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're joined up with G Cobb in the house featuring Gary Cobb and co host Michael Warren. You want to get in on the conversation? Call in now. It's toll free 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to Gary Cobb at AOL.com. Remember, two R's and two B's in that name. Now back to G Cobb in the house. All right, you guys, we are back, and it really hasn't stopped during the commercial break. I thought we were just going to keep going, and, you know, whenever we got back, <laughs> we just pick up where we left off. Oh, God, this is G. Cobb in the house. I'm Michael Warren, along with Bob Cunningham and Jason Ashworth, obviously, and Haran Knight is hanging around, too. Uh, Haran and I are just drinking beer, watching Bob and, and Jay go at it. Um, uh, so I guess it comes back to the question of, and I think we're all pretty much on the same page here as when, I don't think we have anybody here on the show tonight that says uh, Dan Marino didn't win it or Jim Kelly didn't win it, like quarterbacks do and don't. I mean, I look at it up for myself, and I know Jay feels this way, even if he gets his message confused sometimes. The teams win Super Bowls, not not quarterbacks. I can't I can't say uh, you know a quarterback won this. So, but G had made a good point before. Well, if you're going to say if you're going to give Ben credit for the first Super Bowl, they they really won in spite of him then you have to give him the blame here. I don't look at things like that, and I think that's the point Jay is trying to make. Am I close, Jay? Yeah, yeah that's exactly it. Like, okay. I look at, when I look at quarterbacks, at the end of the day, I'm not saying a quarterback won it or didn't win it because I don't think that any quarterback will win you a game. I don't think any quarterback, well, I guess a quarterback can lose you a game per se, but at the end of the day, it's a, it's a team game. Okay, had the Steelers' defense stepped up, had Ben Roethlisberger been able to go on a two-minute drive, and it doesn't matter what Aaron Rodgers did, he's not your MVP. Well, well you know what's funny is for two-minute drive, he had a hell of a it. game. But Haran said something before, um, it, it almost like for Steelers fans are going to look back at this game kind of the way the Eagles look back at the, their Super Bowl. Some people are blaming it on McNabb, but you're ignoring three touchdowns and 357 yards, um, and really two picks because the third one didn't matter. The game was over at that point. But you can do the same thing. You can look at it, well, if you didn't let Corey Dillon run those screens all over you to start the second half. You know, if Richard Seymour didn't own Hank Fraley, if, if Westbrook had an ounce of, of uh, ground to run on, I mean, you can look at tons of things. Mm. And that's what I'll I try to do. Smith didn't come on the field goal territory. Um. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, on. How about that one? 
That's exactly my point. There's a million things you can point out to why a team wins and why a team loses. So it's just hard for me in this situation to say, you know, I got to put it on Ben. Because I don't necessarily put all the wins on Ben. At the end of the day, he has the hardware. And the way quarterbacks are judged, unfortunately, I mean, that's how you judge them, based on the hardware, whether we like it or not. Um, But it's hard for me to say, hey, Ben, you're the reason this game was over. When you had a shot two minutes ago, you had the ball with the chance to win the Super Bowl. It's hard for me. It's just hard for me to say he threw it away prior to then. Well, but, I, I did say this too uh, on Super Bowl Sunday and even this week. Um, ultimately, I look at what was what was the biggest problem. They got down by too much too early. I mean, if you want to put that on Big Ben, fine. If you don't, fine. The bottom line is they got down way too much, way too early, and that was it. You can look at the Mendenhall fumble. Yep, that that contributed to it. You can look at the fact that the the turnovers led directly to points. But that early in the game, you get down like that. Yeah, you know, Bob said it before. Now you got to dig yourself out of a hole, and sometimes it's just too big of a hole to dig yourself out of. And you know, Jay said, you know, the the tale of two games. You know, you make the adjustments at halftime. It looked like the Steelers did, and they wound up losing by six. If Ben doesn't throw that ridiculous ball to Nick Collins, they're not down. They're ahead. He gave them seven points. If he doesn't throw the interception to Bush, I mean, it, it was just it was too early. It, like you said, it was too much too early. He dug them in such a deep hole they weren't going to dig themselves out. Like I said, even Charles Woodson breaks his collarbone. Sam Shields goes down. I mean, they're just decimated in the secondary and still nothing. And, I mean, you don't find it a little odd that last week I said, Miriam, mush rush him, keep him in the pocket, he will throw the game away. That's exactly what happened. I mean, it's not a secret. That's how you stop Big Ben. Okay, then just can you answer? Help me understand this then. So, how the heck is this dude ten and two in the playoffs then? If that's if it's that simple, if it's that simple, then how? Because teams have tried that. Teams have taken that approach before, and he's beaten them. And that's why I just I'm a little hesitant to say, oh, that's all you got to do. Because that's teams it. will allow him. Unlike I mean, you saw when the Packers uh, overrushed, he could step up, he could make a play, you know, he could run. Uh-huh. Other teams allowed him to do that one too many times. And look, like I said last week, I'm not saying Ben is a bad quarterback. The guy's a playmaker. If you allow him to make plays, he will do it. The Packers didn't allow him to make plays, and he didn't step up when he had to. That's so, fair. I mean, I'll yeah, you, I'm, I'm not I'll putting it 100% That's on Ben, but I am saying it's like 90% because he put them in such a hole that they could not dig themselves out of. Well, the reason, the no. reason why he's 10 and 2 is because he, um, Ben's not a guy that, I would say, carries a team. He. He fits into the Steelers system. That's why Absolutely. the past two Super Bowls, the, he, the MVPs were the receivers, Antonio Holmes and Heinz Ward. And Heinz Ward is he's getting a little older, so it's kind of hard to rely on him to carry through. And Antonio Holmes isn't there anymore. And also, he, part of the reason why, why the record is the way it is in the playoffs is because of the defense. The defense didn't step up in this game mm. when they needed to. Paul Mollo <laughs> specifically. I'll agree with you. Um, I guess the uh, you guys got me. Yeah, yeah. Where'd you go, Hello? Jay? Where'd you go? Did we lose Jay for a second? Actually, I did want to because uh, uh, Jay had been mentioned this before, and we had talked about this on Super Bowl Sunday, and it really was true for this game. I, this, this is what I don't get, and this is one of the reasons I don't really care for the Super Bowl. The first reason I hate it is because it's the last day of football that I'm going to have for a while, so it's kind of just like, 
eh, when the game's over, it's over, and there's nothing for a while. Mm. But you play games all damn year a certain way. You have, what, 12 minutes at halftime? Is that the official? Something like that. Yeah, well, about ballpark. Every game. And then all of a sudden, you're asking athletes who are already warmed up, and they've been in a rhythm since August. Yep. And now you're going to say a half hour? Yeah. How does that not slide into two? What's that? So we can watch the Black Eyed Peas. No, anybody. Completely Even when they had the Rolling Stones, Stones I didn't care. And the Black Eyed Peas were whatever. I mean, I felt a little bad for Slash, but <laughs> such a huge Slash fan. that I was like... I felt bad yeah. for the song. She destroyed it. The biggest mistake... and Let's discuss it. The biggest mistake anyone can make when covering a Guns N' Roses song is to attempt to sound like Axel. You will not do it. You can't do it. Absolutely. It just comes out sounding bad. And she yeah. tried to sound like Axel. That's why, first of all, Guns N' Roses songs make for lousy covers because that part is missing. The guy is a piece of crap. I can't stand him. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But he is a phenomenal frontman. And to have her... Try and do the raspy, whiny. Oh my god! Now I didn't think the overall performance was as bad as some of the people in the day after. We're just talking about how horrific oh. it was. Oh, I hated it. Are you, I, you I, not I, like I the black? You liked it. I, I was all right with it, Haran. I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. Oh, compared, compared to other halftime shows, it was one of the better ones I actually sat through. That's just my opinion. Well, I mean, you look at what you're comparing it to over the past few years, though. The Who, the Rolling Stones, Prince, Paul McCartney. I mean, it was a step in the right direction, but it was was terrible. Well, I I just don't care to see the... I I love the Who. I love... I've seen the Who live three times. I love the Rolling Stones. I like the Who studio. They're old now. They sounded terrible. I agree. That's why, but all of them are on my stink. iPod for a reason. I'm not going to see them live, though. Not anymore. <laughs> What's it called? Um, it, the last one I really enjoyed. Uh, I enjoyed watching Prince. I'm not a huge Prince fan. He's so damn talented. Like I liked watching the guitar stuff. Oh yeah. Um, he just so, he's so weird. He is weird. I, I've never not been a good weird, I, like an unsettling weird. He, I, I have a ton of respect for him. Not a weirdest I've, one. <laughs> But now, Bob, are you a Black Eyed Peas fan regardless? Or, I mean, are you at all anyway? No. No, Okay, not. so you were going to hate I'm them I'm not anyway. a fan at all. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I don't like their stuff to begin with, so, I mean, sure, yeah, there's a little bias there. But I just thought they sounded bad. I mean, it was just, I'd have preferred if they just would have come out and lip-synced. I mean, it was dreadful. Well, uh, the audio part, was up. Part, it's part, part be a- of that was the audio, which goes into... The rest of the problems at, at that stadium, the foul I, I think a big problem with today's music, though, too, and them included, is these people can't sing. It's so altered before it hits a CD that it's not them anymore. It's not their voice anymore. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to single-handedly break every auto tune I can. <laughs> it was fine when yeah. Payne did it. Okay, that's your thing. Whatever. And then everyone was like, "This is great." Yeah. I can't. And I actually, I'm okay with the Black Eyed Peas. I think they're fun. You know, I, I don't own any of their stuff, but when they come on, I, I, I you know, they're fun to listen to. Mm. The audio I was, was, I was okay when Zap did it. <laughs> what? When, when Computer Love and Roger Zap, I was okay when it was hot then, but I, I don't like any of it now. <laughs> I mean, and, and let's be honest too, as far as audio, that's got to, that situation has to be a front of house engineer's nightmare. You've got how much time to get set up? I mean, I, I don't. I don't know where they have the front of the house. I know they have the stuff all rehearsed and everything, but 
you know, I learned years ago, somebody in the business told me there's absolutely no such thing as a perfect live broadcast. Mm-hmm. There's just no, it just doesn't happen. Something will always happen. It, it, it was pretty bad. I mean, her, vocal, her mic didn't come up when it was supposed to. Yeah. No, it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the black, I, I think, and maybe it's just me, but I, I, when I think of football, I think of, you know, uh, hard rock, heavy metal, I mean, Kiss, Ozzy. Guys like that. I mean, who doesn't want to hear Crazy Train live at the Super Bowl? I don't want to hear Let's Get It Started. I don't want to hear it. You just talked about how old the Who are. I mean, I don't really know. Hey, Ozzy still sounds good. I mean, mean, Kiss can still put on a show. Who look like they're about to croak at any second? Yeah, I mean, he may be better than the Who, but I don't know if I'm going to say that Ozzy still sounds. I mean, he, he might be a guy that you might want to consider put on your iPod for a reason. Yeah, yeah, but Ozzy's <laughs> music, he's, I think he's talking about Ozzy's music in general lends itself more to football. Like, when I saw Faith Hill, like, every every Sunday night, I'm I'm not like, oh, yeah, now let's get ready for football. Like, <laughs> no, I don't think that's the point of Faith Hill being on there, big guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get it. But at least get, get Joan Jett. I mean, hey, come on. But, all right, look. We we gotta take a break. We'll come right back here on G Cobb in the house on the other side. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Ready for an old school in your face discussion of professional college and high school football? Tune in for talk on a variety of football related topics on the program from Under the Helmet with your hosts, Derek Ennard and the coach, Al Gross. You will hear the week's headlines and straight talk from the hosts and their weekly guests that are personal and provocative. From Under the Helmet is broadcast every Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Channel. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just just think that the coach made a mistake. crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports.
you're joined up with G Cobb in the house featuring Gary Cobb and co-host Michael Warren. You want to get in on the conversation? Call in now. It's toll free. 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to GaryCobb at AOL.com. Remember, two R's and two B's in that name. Now back to G Cobb in the house. All right, we're back here on a very spirited edition of G Cobb in the house. I'm Michael Warren, along with Haran Knight, Jason Ashworth, and Bob Cunningham. And I, I mix your names up in different orders so no one gets a big head over here. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we talked about the Super Bowl. And the Eagles made a signing here. We'll bring it back to the birds here. And I have a problem with this signing, and I'll tell you why. Um, they signed, is it Philip Hunt? Is his first name? Yeah. Philip Hunt, okay. yes. Okay, so they signed this guy. They're not the only team interested. I don't have a problem that they signed this guy. It was a bunch of other. I think uh, the Texans were really interested in somebody else. Uh, and he was the leading sack. He was a sack leader in the CFL last year. So I guess the Eagles are, are looking for their, uh, their Cameron Wake. Uh, but I have a big problem with this signing. I'm going to tell you what. I, I didn't, I'm probably like everybody else. I didn't know much about him because I don't know if you guys watch a ton of CFL, but I do not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm reading a, a, a like a breakdown of what he is, and everyone said, well, yeah, he project- most, most had him projected as a linebacker in the NFL and outside. And I wanted to smash my computer. <laughs> I, I know people have problems with Andy Reid. Oh, uh, he doesn't run the ball enough. He wastes his timeouts. He's stubborn. Those things don't irritate me that much. The one thing that is really just I can't stand anymore. I can't stand the tweeners. I can't stand the playing guys out of position. I'm tired of it. We talked about this last week. Well, you draft Gokong, who is an undersized guy, but he had 22 and a half sacks. That's his thing. He is a pass rusher. Oh, well, we're going to stand him up and make him cover the tight end. I'm so sick of it. It's, I mean, this well, is here, another here, here's tweener. the thing with this guy. He's, he's six foot, 248 pounds. I think in the CFL he was playing in a 3-4 um, a defense. When he was undrafted, he got signed by Cleveland, which is another 3-4 defense. You compare him to Cameron Wake, who came from the CFL because of what he did in Miami, who plays a 3-4 defense. And trying to make this guy, top this guy to bring what he's bringing to the table to a 4-3 defense as a three-point stance lineman, which is, I don't think he's going to make it out of training camp. So it really doesn't make that much of a difference to me. I don't, I mean, it's just another sign and just to make the news at this point. But but it's the... It's the idea. It's the, the thought problem. I'm trying to think of the right word I want. The whole, their whole plan for these guys. Yeah, they're promoting this guy like he's going to be the next Hugh Douglas, which, which is laughable. But yeah, well, 16 sacks in the three. I mean, when it comes down to it, he is still an undraft free, undrafted free agent who couldn't make it on the Cleveland Browns, who run the type of defense he's type he's actually used to. So I don't know what they think he's going to bring to the Eagles. Well, the, the thing I'll, I'll say about this is uh, it's kind of a no-risk thing. You get the CFL sack leader in there, you bring him in, you don't pay him a whole lot. So you got to cut him, you got to cut him. I mean, I, I right. think it was the same thing as bringing in that mallet last year, and someone yeah. was talking about, oh, you know, Looking what a bust he way. was. You know, who cares? He's just he spent most of his time on the practice squad. It was a they didn't spend a lot of money on him. Uh, and I, I was actually reading they're going to keep him at the end and that Washburn's going to work with him. So, right. I mean, who yeah, knows? He, yeah, he's he really wants to be a four, Maybe he's something Washburn can do something with. And maybe, you know, he comes in, you stack 20 pounds on him, 
during the off season, if there is an off season, and you know maybe he can be something. But that's not, asking a lot, though. Just put on twenty pounds. Well, yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying. I mean, it's it's a no risk kind of thing. If he's got some upside, you stick him on the practice squad, or you know put him on the phantom IR like they love to do, and you know just see. If not, you cut him loose. No harm, no foul. And I, I like that they're actually going to keep him. Uh, at the end and not try to, because my first thought was, oh, here's another Sam. Uh, They're going to make him a safety. That, that's true. Yeah. It's, not, I have not, it's not against this kid. It's not this signing. It's this approach. Mm-hmm. At what point are we done with the undersized guys? I mean, everybody's undersized. Well, they get upfield. No, they don't. So now they're undersized and they don't get upfield. Well, I think this year they're going to get upfield. I think a lot of it, too, was, was McDermott's scheme. And I've been on record several times. I hate McDermott, everything he ever did. But uh, like even in high school. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I followed his career as a midget, and I can't stand him. Uh, <laughs> it just, I think with Washburn, you are going to see those guys who are actually getting up the field uh, and going after. So I mean, maybe. But like I said, if not, if he doesn't work out, you cut him loose and forget he was ever on the team. I wonder. Hey, what yeah, I'm kind of curious. I'm kind of curious with just kind of what you just said, and I don't tend to—I don't necessarily disagree with you at all, Bob. But uh, I, I, and to be honest with you, I find it hard to believe that something as simple as a coaching change is going to allow these guys to get up the field. Uh, it'll help. Well, I think I, when I know you have a coaching help, change everywhere. What's that? Well, you have a coaching change everywhere, so you're going to have a completely different kind of philosophy. You got Washburn coming in, and Castillo's already said he's going to let Washburn do. Pretty much whatever the hell he wants to do. Yeah, yeah. well, which he kind of needs to do because I don't know what Juan Castillo is really going to – I mean, you really think Juan Castillo is going to rein in Washburn? I mean, well, I don't think he wants to, and I think it would be a mistake to try to. So Exactly. Well, it's a benefit for Castillo to have um, yeah, Washburn because he doesn't have to worry about the defensive line. He can kind of focus on some other areas. Mm-hmm. But uh, but that said, I guess the point I was getting at is, yeah, I mean, we all know the coach that Washburn is and the upgrade that he is uh, on the defensive line. Um, but – some, to some degree, to some extent, it's got to be a personnel change to simply just hey, get up the field. Like, Washington's well, I, able to do so much. Well, McDermott well, we'll had the defensive though, linemen. Uh, McDermott well, had the defensive linemen playing run first. You know, uh, <clears throat> see if they're running so, the ball first, you know, that half step, then go. So I think they're not going to have to worry about that. And it's just going to be that quick, you know, how quick can you get off the ball, dip your shoulder, and get back there rather than having to worry about the run. The thing that does bring up a problem, though, is the linebackers again. That's what I was going to bring up. Yeah, because with that kind of defense, you better have some playmakers. And (sighs) well, we're going to know this time next year. We're going to know the answer. I mean, because you're going to know after the first game. Yeah, after the first game. Once they let the hounds loose, you're going to find out. I don't know if you're going to know in the first game, game. though, Jay. You're well. Okay, they may now make the change, but we're going to have a damn good idea because if they let those hounds loose. And then our linebackers can't start shedding blocks and can't make any plays. Well, then maybe oh. some things are going to have to change on that defensive line to where you know what we maybe we do have to sit here and think run first because we don't have the guys big enough behind us to stand up and make plays. Yeah. Well, you're talking about the linebacker. Oh, yeah, well, uh, I was talking about the defensive line. But I mean, I think they're directly not... tied in. I don't think you can. I don't think you can look at this and say, "Oh, yep, defensive linemen, you guys are right here in your own little circle." And then our linebackers, you're your own, you're your own group. They're all. It's one unit, and yeah. it's defensive line. It's just thinking pass first, rush the quarterback, but the but the linebackers can't hold up. 
I mean, that's a problem. You're going to have to change what you do up front. Everything goes in layers. You get pressure on the quarterback. Well, that final layer, the safeties and corners, they look pretty damn good. Now it's are they're pro bowlers because they keep everybody on an island. Well, no, it's all, it's all about the, the pressure you get on a quarterback. You get pressure on a quarterback, that, those two other layers look great. And I think, I really think next year, because Andy likes to tweak like one thing a year. There's a, like usually a big problem, and he'll fix it, but not the whole thing. So this year we addressed the D-line, but next year we're going to realize, boy, the D-line got a lot better. But those line, what, we, are, we are going to have to find some talent. I mean, they still have, I don't like these linebackers at all. And I know, and we all do it, it's like we try and justify. I'm like, oh, Keem Jordan, no, nah, he's, he's all right. But most of the folk, oh, he was better. Yeah. They're still not good enough. I don't mind Cheney. Like, I don't think I mind Cheney as much as you do. Oh, I, I, I think I'm falling in love with Cheney. I think I, I like Cheney. I'm not the only one. Good. I'm not the only one. I, I like, I like Cheney. I do, but he's a seventh round rookie. You don't know what he ha- what you have in him. Oh, I but mean, man, you know, just the. I, I mean, I like the guys, but I don't tackles. think they're the type that you can sit here and say this is the future of the team. I mean, I, they still, Thank there's you. still room there for improvement there. There well, is, but I think he can improve. I'll improve the Sam. I'm okay with Cheney in the middle. God, I'm okay going in week one if Cheney wants to play that middle. Now, if you want to try and push Bradley outside and see if that works to get him on the field at the same time, that's okay. where he belongs. Yeah, no, and I'm okay with that. Okay. <laughs> that's where he I, mean, he's I mean, he's got to he's got to be able to do it. You know, it, it may be where it belongs. He's got to do it. I guess what I'm saying is I'm okay with a dre- when we're looking at that linebacker position. I just feel okay. I feel comfortable heading into the season with with Cheney as my middle linebacker. I yeah, do. I'm with you 100. percent All right, now I think Karan and I are together on this too. Um, but wouldn't you, Bob and Jay? Don't you agree that maybe they just have put out such crappy linebacker play that we see one guy who's somewhat competent, and we go, "Oh, this guy's the best." Yes. Like <laughs> so bad. I'm, I'm going to say I think I think that's what all the hype with Bradley was about. Last year, but I think with Cheney, it's legitimate. I mean, you watched him. He was taking on these guards, tossing them to the side, reading the play, making the play, sticking this guy. Not like Bradley, who is over-pursuing or trying to arm-tackle someone and falling on his face. Cheney was, uh, I just thought he was very, I mean, 16 tackles his first start. Speaking of Bradley last year, that's what it comes down to, is how the coaching and the front office approaches it. You let, you know, they'll get somebody like Bradley and say, this is going to be a future at, at middle linebacker. And don't really – and they just stick with that and don't really prepare for what happens if he gets hurt. And they just see, oh, we got a cheat way of – he told you we can find a star in this way and not have to pay a lot of money for it. Next thing you know, they have no backup plan and no depth. And that, that's where the bigger problem comes. They they need to address like the talent and make sure there's as much competition as possible. But pretty much the way they did the wide receiver position last year, the same they kept trying to stack it up and make as much competition as possible, even though you knew who the top three guys were going to be. Yeah. Right. I mean, can we all agree that linebackers should be what they target in the first round if there's a guy worth a, worth a spot? Yeah, I kind of well, wanted them to get try to look at Sean Witherspoon. I'm not not complaining about who they got, but I thought Sean Witherspoon was somebody they should have looked at last year. But we kind of all knew they they weren't going to draft him. Mm. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the question, Bob. If you're asking me, should the Eagles target 
uh, a linebacker in the first round, or if you're asking the question of that versus will the Eagles draft a linebacker in the first round, yeah. are two wildly different questions. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm fully aware. Yeah. I mean, Reese never <laughs> I mean, drafted one in the first round, so. Third pick, though. I mean, who do you take after Von Miller? Will linebacker, can, are you justifying at the 23rd spot that you're saying, uh, yeah, that's the guy? Unfortunately, they're probably second or third rounders that you're going to have to take a reach on at 23. I mean, unless from now until, until draft day to where it kind of blown the socks off. That's really what Von Miller did. Von Miller was a, was a name, but I think the last couple months, couple, you know, in all reality, the senior bowl and past, the guy started blowing up on the scene. Yeah. I mean, now talking about him being a potential top five pick, that has burning right. all over it. They could He's take definitely going in a top round pick. They could take their first and second round picks and trade down to get like nine fifth round picks <laughs> and spend it on a bunch of tweener linebackers and tell us they address the problem and then cut uh, most of them in camp. Well, <laughs> sarcasm noted. Uh, does anyone know? <laughs> If we go if we go into this draft with no CBA, how does that affect? Like, can you still trade the picks? Can you? I, I have I honestly have no idea how that works. You can trade the picks. The only thing you can't move is the players. Okay, so well then move the picks around. Like they can Reed use shown, like the 2012 picks. Reed has shown that if he sees a guy and he likes him, he'll trade up, and he doesn't no, care right. how far he has to trade up. So 95 percent of the time, it's not the guy we think he likes. True. Uh, yeah, oh, last know. year I thought for sure it was Earl Thomas. Yeah. Every, I already started I writing the story. <laughs> Jay pitched a fit in my living room, Bob. Believe me. Uh, I, oh, I, the story. I was like, "Oh, Earl Thomas to the Eagles." I was halfway done, and I threw my computer out the window. I didn't know what to do. All right, we got to take a break, Jay. We will see you later. I'll see you in a little bit. Uh, we got to take a break. We'll be back here with Bob and Haran on G Cobb in the house on VoiceAmericaSports.com. to the pros we we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports so andy serling packed his bags left the city and is enjoying his temporary digs in saratoga but that won't stop us from bringing you playing to win the best online handicapping show for serious horse players catch andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of august on location from the beautiful saratoga race course he and his guests are some of the best in the biz they bring you new insights to making money and they tell it like it is i'm three five one in this race but the three is very much the one to be we're going to completely disagree on this race i absolutely despise her especially at one to two and it's anything but the same old horse racing show this is a nine horse field but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras playing to win with andy serling a show seriously committed to making more money at the game but with a personality this is a dunce cap horse for me if this horse wins next week i got the dunce cap on you bet.com's playing to win presented by the daily racing form look for it the day before big race days mostly fridays find a complete schedule in the daily racing form or click on playing to win at you bet.com your internet flagship station for sports voice america sports
you're joined up with G Cobb in the house featuring Gary Cobb and co-host Michael Warren. You want to get in on the conversation? Call in now. It's toll free. 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to GaryCobb at AOL.com. Remember, two R's and two B's in that name. Now back to G Cobb in the house. And then there were three. Uh, just us now here on G Cobb in the house. I'm Michael Warren along with Haran Knight and Bob Cunningham. Jay had to run. We kicked him out, basically. Um, but we're talking a little draft a little bit, and I swear to God, you guys, do not bait me into hardcore draft talk. I'm not ready. I have not done my research yet. I haven't started. So yeah, don't bait me into anything hardcore. All right? We can talk general. <laughs> but now, so we're talking about what the Eagles are going to do in this upcoming draft um, and, and what the draft is going to look like. Are we still scheduled for Thursday? Is that how they're doing it again this year? Yeah, they're doing the same format. Yeah. Um, first round Thursday night, second and third Friday, and then the rest of it on Saturday. Because yeah. it really does work brilliantly because at the end of Thursday night, I am dying for the rest of that draft. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's torturous on one hand, but that's why they did it, because they know you're coming back on Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, yeah. w- it was a good time. Um, uh, Howie Rosen was telling us he didn't, he didn't love it because he's very impatient. I can imagine... That's, a, that's an entirely different way to have to do things. Yeah. Um, when you're used to, you know, two days of just, you know, madness, and then you get uh, the Thursday night thing. So we're talking about who the Eagles might get. It is possible. It is possible, and I think it was, Haran, you mentioned this in the break about the rookie wage scale. If there's a CBA in place, and I, I know everyone's calling for a lockout, but look, money talks. When it gets close and it's crunch time, both sides have a lot, a lot to lose by doing that. Yeah, it is I'm, I'm staying optimistic about it. I'm not listening to everybody's predictions. Uh, I'm going to stay optimistic and think they're going to get something done. If not by March 4th, definitely by the end of March, beginning of April, because it's just too much money on both sides. <laughs> I just, I have a feeling that you know, March 3rd, 11:45, the story's going to bust. You know, they've just come to a deal. I, it's just going to be. I think it's going to be who blinks first. I think both sides are really freaking out right now. Deadlines make people work just that much harder. Right. Right, and it also makes them work not hard when it's nowhere near. Exactly. You know, this, the discussions they're having now, all of a sudden, the meetings and the talk, it's heating up, it's getting close. It should have been like this a year ago. Mm-hmm. But, every, you know, they were like, oh, well, we're planned, uh, we're scheduled to meet and all. I'm like, it's March! <laughs> what, right. what, what are you doing? Like, D. Smith, what, what are you doing that you don't have time for this? And you know another thing that irritates the hell out of me is that, and Cromartie essentially says, because when Antonio Cromartie is the voice of reason, you know something's wrong. Yeah. It's all about yeah, posture. Yeah, because I, I agree with everything he said. <laughs> I, I do too, Ron. <laughs> it's all about posturing. You know, uh, Tagliabue forced the, this deal on the current deal on the owners in 06 because he didn't want to have a work stoppage during his tenure. Right. Well, yeah. Is that more important than actually just having a good system in place? D. Smith doesn't want to look bad. It's his first his first deal, so he can't look bad look like he gave in. I mean, if they really want to negotiate something, they should really go in there and negotiate what they're going to tell everybody. Just put a deal together, and then each side come up with their own story to make them look good. That's what yeah. it's all about. That's what happens with every deal ever made, ever. I mean, it's right. Always. So I, I, don't, I don't understand the delay. I don't know what these guys are doing. The thing that really scares me about this whole thing, is Roger Goodell seems convinced that the fans won an 18-game season. Doesn't uh, matter how many polls you throw in his face that say otherwise, or how many players come out and say it's 
the worst idea of all time, or even a few owners and coaches who have said, don't like it, don't want it. Well, all, you, all you have to do is look at the fans' polls itself and see that he's not telling the truth. Yeah, the yeah. fans don't like the preseason games. That doesn't mean they win an 18-game season. <laughs> I know. They're solving up. That's not, that's not the problem. That's not the issue I had. Yeah. I mean, that boggles my mind, that to think that you can actually just replace two preseason games with two regular season games and that it's the same just, oh, we're still playing 20 games. I mean, that – I, 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 I can't not, even articulate not, how stupid I'm that is. I'm not the biggest fan of the preseason games, but I understand the rest of the other. Right. <laughs> I mean, Nobody's a fan of those. Nobody, but, you know, that's like they're, they're talking about, oh, they don't like the preseason, so let's have an 18-game season. That's like somebody invites you to a party that you don't like. I'm like, no, 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 there's plenty of parking. Yeah. So that, that, I didn't yeah. say I was concerned about the parking. I, I want to go because I don't like you. Yeah. You, you know, like, you're yeah. Not, that's not, no, that's not what we meant. They're threatening to put, down, put together a watered-down product by exactly. making people rush to the final rosters and everything. Yeah. And the, the thing I always say when I talk about this is what happens when come week 10, you know, let's say the Colts are at 8-1, 9-0 even, you know, week 10 rolls around, and they decide they're going to sit Peyton Manning this week to save him for the rest of the season. What happens when the NFL comes to that? And it will with 18 games. They won't have a choice. Right. Or, or, or a running back. You know, the Rams sit Steven Jackson this week. Eh, we want to save him. You know, he's resting. Yeah, I, I don't know. You certainly wouldn't see that, like, on the first year, but it could as things play out. I don't, I don't think they would do that with Peyton, but I know, I know what you're saying. Maybe I'm a little banged up. Ah, you could have gone. Well, have a seat. You've got a long way to go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's the, Crazy. I mean, they, they went through so much to make the schedules to stop them from doing that in the 16-game season, so it mm. really makes no sense. <laughs> and don't tell me, don't sit here and tell me you care about player safety, that you want to in- increase the game's budget. Over the course of eight years, and that, that's rare that a player plays that long, but it does happen, that's an extra season tacked onto your body. Yep, yep, yep. yeah. Anyway, so you're going to sit here and tell me, oh, we really care about the player safety, which if anyone believes that, you're an idiot. Uh, do I think they want a bunch of guys getting paralyzed? No, but come on, you know yeah. the whole thing with with the concussions and the fines. You know that's playing into that's playing into the labor agreement too because they're doing something they don't really care about. But the players, that's going to be have to be something the players take as something they want. So that's right. one thing they don't get because they have to take that. I mean, that's just it's it's absolutely laughable. Uh, the NFL can speak out of two sides of its mouth like, oh, we care about our players. Oh, would you mind playing an extra 10 games? <laughs> yeah, where does it end? That's the other, where does it end? Where does it stop? You know, How long until they're saying, well, maybe 20 games. We just get rid of the preseason entirely. You know what else? You know what I really do hate about the 18-game schedule aside from the fact that it's just abusive to players? What I really hate about it most is this is another complete set of records in the toilet. Yeah. Oh, wow, I had 2,600 yards. Yeah, you had two extra games. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I threw 60 touchdown passes. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. and it, but, but it never gets cross, cross-referenced. Like, mm-hmm. oh, well, they did only have 12 games back then. Yeah. It, it, it's so ridiculous. I mean, that's a whole other thing of records that you can throw out the window. And that yeah. probably means, once again, this group, less defensive players getting in. Because it's going to – I mean, look at the, the, the kind of off, the offenses that we have now. It's just pinball yeah. stats. Yeah. Right. You know what I would do if I was D. Smith right now, and if, uh, if I was serious? They come in, well, as soon as they say 18 games, like, we want 18 games, we want 14. 
<laughs> Let's meet in the middle. <laughs> we want 14. Let's yeah. meet in the middle at 16. Done. Great. Awesome. That's interesting, Bob, and I wonder what they would say that the most likely thing would be like, all right, well, you're, you're getting your pay slashed. You know, yeah. the, the salary cap just went much lower because you're not playing as much. Oh, I bluff them to the end. Be like, fine, that's fine. Less wear and tear on my body. I can play longer, be healthier. You care so much about my safety. 14 games it is. Sounds good. Let's move on. What's next? <laughs> it's a very interesting point, Bob. It, it, even though you started at 12, like, oh, we want 12 yeah. games. That's funny. We want six. I mean, and they only play six. Why do we have to play more? And you know what? I, they could get away with the 16-game season with the four preseason games a lot better. If they weren't charging people full price, yeah. they're not really full price of a little preseason game. Get, yeah. yeah. Get lost. Crazy. That's terrible. So we'll see what happens with this. We are uh, running up to the end now. Um, but I want to thank you guys for joining me, Bob Cunningham and Haran Knight. Stay to the end. Absolutely. All right. So we will look. We'll do it all again next week. Uh, it'll be a big party. And everybody enjoy your weekend. Have fun. I'm Micah Warren, along with Ron Knight, Bob Cunningham. This is G Cobb in the house. We'll see you next week. Time to break the huddle. We'll be back again next Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern for another edition of G Cobb in the house with Gary Cobb and Micah Warren. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you again soon. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.